We're going to look at King Ahaz. King Ahaz, Ahaz is between, his reign was between two different kings. We see Jotham, who his father, who we had read about, seemingly didn't have a lot of blemishes on his record. He seemed to be a fairly good king. Uh, it says that he sought after the Lord and that he, he directed himself to, he prepared his ways before the Lord. So he, he was walking in the will of God. Were there issues? Sure. Then on the other side of Ahaz, we're going to see, which we'll start next week, King Hezekiah. Probably the second best king the nation of Judah or Israel in that matter ever had next to David. Which we know David is the gold standard for how the kings of Judah or Israel should have behaved or how they should have acted. David was a, a, a man after God's own heart, it was said. So... But we know David had faults. We know the sins of David. But we know we serve a God that is merciful and forgiving. And as long as David would seek God and seek repentance when he did sin and mess up, God gave him that forgiveness. And we're going to look at a king tonight that started out the gates of his reign wrong. We're going to, we're going to read a statement in a minute that we don't read about the other kings of Judah. Not many of them. A lot of them may be in the, with the kings of Israel. But the kings of Judah were a little different. And we're going to look at this chapter and we're going to see the deaths in which Judah has fallen at this point. But in chapter 27, there was a hint of Judah starting to head that way. In verse 2 of chapter 27... It talks about how Jotham did not go into the temple of the Lord. And we, we said, well, maybe it's because he was mad at the priest. Or maybe he just knew what his role was as a king. But the last part of that says, but still the people acted corruptly. So they had a king. They had a leader who was walking in the ways of the Lord. It says that he fashioned his ways or he prepared his ways before the Lord, but yet the people were starting to continue to act corruptly. We look at kings such as Jehoshaphat, and it says the people had not set their hearts on God. So we see all these good leaders, but some of the people were still not following in the ways of God. Their hearts were not set upon God. I look at the United States where we're at today. And people have different opinions on leaders we've had throughout the years. But God has had his hands on the United States. God has had his hands on our leaders from, from, from different parts in history. He's had our, his hands on our leaders, yet the people still would act corruptly. They still would not set their hearts on God. And we're starting to see that manifest in our day and age right now because they're acting corruptly. So as we get into chapter 28, and we look at the reign of Ahaz, we're going to see just how far a nation can fall. But we're also going to see a nation change next week when we get into the reign of Hezekiah and what he did as a leader. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter 28. It says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not 
do what was right in the sight of the Lord that his father David had done. Other kings in Judah, we've heard that, hey, they did what was right in the sight of the Lord like their father so-and-so. Or they did what was right in the sight of the Lord like their father David. But now we're looking at King Ahaz and it says that he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. That's not good. It says, for he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made molded images for the Baals. It says he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire according to the abomination of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. So we see King Ahaz here starting off bad, not wanting to follow the ways of the Lord. And like we read in chapter 27, that the people started to act corruptly. Well, when you have a leader that's going to act corrupt and lead the way, the nation's going to fall. I think many with Judah, they've had strong leaders, and the nation never completely went into idolatry because God was honoring those leaders that were following his ways. And I think God has honored the United States because of certain leaders that have followed his ways and has not brought us to destruction. But there will come a day, sadly, there will come a day that that may very well happen. So we see here the previous kings did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and we see Ahaz, Ahaz walking away from that. And in verse 3, it tells us that he burned his children in the fire. Unthinkable, right? In this modern day and age that we live in, that we would murder children like this because they were unwanted or they came upon us unexpectedly because of sin we may have had in our life. Now look at this. And I think about modern day abortion. A lot of the idol worship that they had in these times had to do with sexual immorality in their worship or honor or admiration towards these idols. So, of course, what happens when we have sexual sins, babies come along. That's the way God designed it, right? Sex creates babies. So they would have these children and then they would sacrifice them to the gods of that day, probably Moloch, to get rid of these unwanted children because of the sin that they had been in, with no conscience of it at all. And we think nowadays we must, we must be a lot better than that. We've, we've progressed so far in our lives. But the human heart has not changed over the years at all. And this same thing is happening today in our day and age, maybe in a different form. But the murder of babies is still happening. This honoring of of giving them up to these gods is still happening today. That spirit is still here. His idolatry was done in excess. So Ahaz, Ahaz really loved the idolatry of the northern kingdom and those who were around him. It says here that he made the, the molding images to Baal's. It says that he burnt incense in the, the valley of the son of Hinnom. He sacrificed his own children, most likely to Moloch. So he just seemed to revel in this type of sin, this type of idolatry. Sacrificed and burnt uh, incense in the high places, in the hills, 
and in under every green tree. Hadn't that been a problem for all of Judah, that every time a king comes up, they did real good, but they didn't get rid of the high high places. They didn't get rid of the, the uh, high places and the hills and all the other worship areas underneath these trees. They never seemed to be able to get rid of them. So idolatry stayed in the heart of the people. The corruption stayed in the heart of the people. You know, America is obsessed with idolatry today. This is not the Christian nation we once were. We're not there anymore. We're obsessed with NFL football. We're obsessed with NBA basketball. We're obsessed with money, sex, drugs, anything that will bring some kind of pleasure to us. We're obsessed with it. Our nation is turned away from God, no longer wants to seek him. In the past two chapters, we looked at Uzziah and we looked at Jotham, and the two things that set them apart from a lot of them was that they sought the Lord. And when they sought the Lord, what happened? The Lord prospered them. There's a pattern there that we really need to follow. And Ahaz, for some reason, never picked up on that pattern. He didn't learn that from his, his father, Jotham. He didn't learn to, to follow these idols and worship these idols, I'm sure, from, from Jotham's uh, circle or his, his men that he, he took counsel from. But he learned it somewhere. He learned that the worship of God was not going to be for him. He didn't learn from the lessons of the past, seeing his father and grandfather follow the Lord and seeing the prosperity that God had brought him because they followed the Lord. He wanted to carve his own path. And that path is going to be dangerous as we see as we continue on. In verse 5 it says, Therefore the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria. On Sunday we, talked, we said, what has God done to us? Perfect example of it right here. God is going to deliver them into the hands of Syria. Why? Because of their idolatry. Because of their turning their back. Ahaz turning his back on God and worshiping these idols from these foreign countries and from the northern uh, kingdom of Israel. That's why God turned him over because God knew that he wasn't going to repent of this. And there was discipline that needed to be brought on this nation. And we know if we live in sin that God will bring discipline upon the believer's life. He will get them straight as a good father should with their children. So we see here that God delivered them into the hands of Syria. And it goes on, it says, And they defeated him and carried away a great multitude of them as captives and brought them to Damascus. Then he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel who defeated him with a great slaughter. For Pekah, the son of Ramalia, killed 120,000 in Judah in one day. That's a lot of people dying in one day. All the valiant men, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. What if they had not forsaken the Lord God of their fathers? They would not have been in this situation. But God is telling you here, you forsook me. You didn't want to follow my commands and my statutes. This is the repercussions of that. And he goes on, Zikri, a mighty man of Ephraim, killed Maasiah, the king's son, Azrakane, the officer of the house, and Elkanah, who was the second to the king. And the children of Israel carried away captive of their brethren 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, and they also took away much spoil. 
from them and bought the spoil to Samaria. So we see Ahaz in that first four verses saying that he did not walk in the ways of God. We see that he fell into idolatry like the northern kingdom. And now we're going to see that that idolatry that he led his nation into equals to captivity. And that's exactly what idolatry does to us. We become captive to whatever we worship. We're supposed to be slaves of Christ, right? I'll happily be a slave for Christ and serve him. He's a good master. He's a good shepherd. But when you start to worship things and and lend ourselves over to idolatry, things that are not of God, it takes us captive and it hurts us. And we know that God, what he does for us is always in in our best interest, that he does things that are good for us because he knows what is good for us. We don't often. And Ahaz is walking into this idolatry. Not only is he going to be captive, but now his nation is going to become captive to Israel. And so our decisions to worship idols in our own life can lead to captivity, alcohol, drugs, pornography, money, fame, success can all keep us captive. So when we're chasing after these things, instead of seeking the word of God, we're going to become captive and we're going to go further away from God because God's not moving. We move from him. So whenever we chase after these idols that are in our lives, we're not going to have that covering of God. We're walking away from that covering of God whenever we're doing this. And there's going to be, unfortunately, discipline brought most of the time to bring us back. And sometimes we'll have to learn the hard way by walking away from God. He'll never walk away from us. He says he'll never leave us or forsake us. And I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation if you, if you start getting into a life of sin. If you're born again and, and, and you're right with God, that's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we don't stray away at times. And, and we start dabbling into things we shouldn't, just like Ahaz and Judah is doing here, dabbling into idolatry when they should not have been doing that. And now they're paying the repercussions of it. And unfortunately, I believe the United States at this point is paying the repercussions of their idolatry at this moment in time. Verse 9, it goes on, it says, But a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Oded. And he went out before the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Look, because the Lord God of your father was angry with Judah, He has delivered them into your hand, but you have killed them in rage that reaches up to heaven. So it's saying here they've gone a little above and beyond what God actually intended. It says, and now now you propose to force the children of Judah and Jerusalem to be your male and female slaves. But are you not also guilty before the Lord your God? Now hear me, therefore, and return the captive, whom you have taken captive from the brethren, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. So God here sends a prophet to talk to Israel. Now we know Israel was not listening to any prophets at this, day, at this particular time in history. But they listened to this one, as, we, as we're going to see in a minute. They actually listened to this prophet. So God sends a prophet to Israel, warning them that God's hand will be on them if they do not ease up on Judah. And God used 
Israel to discipline Judah, but Israel took it a little too far. And Israel had gone above and beyond what was needed to discipline them. It says that they, they killed them in a rage. So it wasn't just that they killed them and captured them in battle, but they had a rage about it. They were furious about, about it and killed them violently and ferociously, most likely. But there's still mercy that God has. God has actually given Israel mercy by warning them not to do this. God is showing Israel, hey, I still have mercy. I still have love for you. Don't do this to Judah. Stop what you're doing before my hand comes down heavy on you. And he's also showing mercy to Judah, trying to save them and bring them back. So God is full of mercy. Even even when they are being disobedient, God's mercy is still there for them because God still has a love for his people. So when we walk away from the Lord, God's mercy and love is still there for us. Because he loves us, even though he may have to discipline us. He loves us. I love my children, even though I have to discipline them sometimes. And sometimes when I discipline them, it hurts me to do that because I love them so much and I don't want to see them upset or mad. But I have to do it to get them walking right again. James 2.13 says, For the judgment, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James here speaks, if you are merciful to others, if you are forgiving towards others, if you are kind and compassionate with others, then when you need mercy, and we all will need mercy one day, we're going to be able to to get that mercy. But if you you are harsh in judgment, if you are fault-finding and you're sin-sniffing and you're looking for some reason to, to see someone fall, we may not get that mercy. So we need to be merciful with those around us. Even those that, that cause us pain and with this rioting and all these things that are going on, as much as we want to have that hate in our heart, Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to have mercy for them, to pray for them. And that's hard to do sometimes. I've, I've gone through an ocean of emotions this past week with everything that's going on, from, from, from hate to anger to sadness to feeling sorry for things. But I have to focus back on what God's word is, just like Uzziah and Jotham. I need to seek him to get myself balanced again and to show the mercy where mercy needs to be shown and to give forgiveness where forgiveness needs to be given. And God is telling Israel here that you need to show mercy on Judah right now. Because there will be consequences. <laughs> Again, if you don't. In verse 10, it tells us that Odeb tells Israel, basically, you are acting harsh to these, in, uh, to these in Judah, killing and enslaving them without mercy. And then he says here in verse 10, it says, But are you not also guilty before the Lord your God? John 8, 7 says, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first one to throw the stone at her, right? We're all guilty in the, guise of, in the eyes of God. We've all sinned. None of us have the right to point fingers at anyone because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all are in need of a Savior, in need of his mercy, in need of his grace. So when we're quick to, to backbite and to speak evil of a, a people group or to speak evil of, of another family member or whatever, just remember what you've done in your life and the things you've thought and the same, things you've said in your life. 
And I think it will bring it all back into perspective for us. That we're no better than, than my neighbor to my left and my right. We're all in need of a Savior. We're all sinners in need of that. And we're in need of his mercy more as the days go on. Verse 12, it says, Then some of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah, the son of Johanan, Berechiah, the son of Meshillamoth, Jehekaliah, the son of Shalom, and Amasa, the son of Hadalai, stood up against those who came from the war. So they're coming in with the captives. They're, they're, they're bringing all the spoils and the captives into Samaria. And these gentlemen stand against them. And it says, and, and said to them, so they stood against them in a war, and they said to them, you shall not bring the captives here, for we already have offended the Lord. You intend to add to our sins and to our guilt, for our guilt is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoils before the leaders and all the assembly. Then the men who were designated by name, those are the ones we just spoke up, spoke about, rose up and took the captives. And from the spoil they clothed all who were naked among them, dressed them, gave them sandals, gave them food and drink, and anointed them, and they let, and they let all the feeble ones ride on donkeys. So they brought them to their brethren in Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. So we see these leaders in Israel listening to the prophet of God, which they should have been doing all along. But this time around, they actually listened to him. They clothed the people. They feed the people. They anoint them with oil. They bandage their wounds. They send them back to Judah. And that was the right thing to do. They listened to God and, 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 and did what was needed. And in response to their demands, the leaders took them, had mercy on them, had compassion on them, and sent them back to Judah. Verse 16 says, At the same time, King Ahaz sent to the king of Assyria to help him. So now he's trying to hire help to go against Syria and to go against Israel. And also here it talks about, for again the Edomites had come, attacked Judah, and carried away captives. The Philistines also had invaded the cities of the lowland in the south of Judah and had taken uh, Beth Shemesh, Ajalon, Jedareth, Soko with its villages, Timnah with its villages, Gimzo with its villages, and they dwelt there. For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been been continually unfaithful to the Lord. So we see through his entire reign, he is unfaithful to the Lord. He was promoting this ungodliness and this idolatry. And I can think of many politicians today that promote that in our country. Also, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came to him and distressed him and did not assist him. So he's reaching out to this king to help him, and he's not going to help him. So now King Ahaz is in a tough spot. It says, For Ahaz took part of the treasure from the house of the Lord, from the house of the king, and from the leaders, and he gave it to king of Syria, but he did not help him. 
looking for help in the wrong places. It says, if you remember, God had given Judah victory over Edom. Remember, Amaziah had went against Edom and defeated Edom. And now we see Edom being a thorn in Judah's side again. They had been paying tribute to Judah probably up to this point. But once again, Ahaz is not following the ways of the Lord. The Lord is going to allow these foreign nations to come in and destroy Judah. And we see the Philistines pop up again, that they were taking care of cities in the south part of Judah. Also a thorn in Judah's side for a very long time. So we see that Edom and the Philistines were, were there attacking, and we see that the sins of Ahaz and Judah closing in on their destruction. The Bible warns us about putting our trust in man. So he goes to the kings of, of Assyria thinking that this king was going to help him out. He was mistaken. Psalms 118, 8 and 9 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in a prince. Trust in the Lord. Number one. Trust in the Lord. Are there people we can trust? Yes. But people will fail us. But our number one trust needs to be put in the Lord. And that's what Ahaz should have been doing. Jeremiah 17.5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Put our trust in God. Right now in this day we're living, put our trust in God. Because we watch TV and we look at Facebook and we see all this news and it makes us angry. But we have to put our trust in God, especially when we're not understanding why this is happening or why this is going on. Between the coronavirus and the riots and now hurricane season, seems like we don't get a break. But even with all of that, we need to put our trust in God and not man. And God being full of grace and mercy, if Ahab would have turned to God instead of this king, I believe God would have delivered him and Judah out of that. Repentance is the key. Turning back to God and to, to get back into his favor, which he never, not, he never hasn't favored us. But when we walk away, we kind of, feels like we kind of lose that favor. But repentance is the key. Second Chronicles seven fourteen keeps popping up a lot lately. And it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Lord, that's what we need today. We need America to repent of their sins for he can heal our land. And I hear so many in the Christian circle talk about we need revival, we need revival, we need revival. There's no revival without repentance. And that's what a lot of, a lot of pastors and a lot of believers forget that you need to start with repentance first. They forget that. They want to go straight to revival. But it starts with repentance of my sins, of your sins, of our country's sins. 
then the blessing of God will come. Then he will come and heal our land and fill our, our cups up again and, and prosper us because we've, we've decided to turn back to him and seek him and be prospered by him. The Bible the Bible's full of stories like that, especially in the Old Testament we see it. If you follow my commands and my statutes, whew, I'm going to bless you. We see it with David. We see it pretty much with Solomon. We see it with some of these other kings. But we just don't learn. We don't learn our lessons. We just... We see it, we read it, and we enjoy it, and then we, we go home and we don't, we don't live it sometimes. I'm just as guilty. And that's what we need to do. We need to continue to seek the Lord. Even when it seems like there's no, no end in sight to, to our struggles and our sorrows, we need to continue seeking him. Because he has a time and he has a plan for each and everything and each and every one of us. And we have to trust that. Verse 22, as we continue on, it says, and this is such a sad verse in the Bible. It says, now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. That is that King Ahaz. Instead of turning to God when everything else was against him, the king of Assyria, it's not going to help him. We have the Philistines and Edom attacking him. Israel's taking them captive. I mean, he's being, he's being, it's being closed in from all sides. You would think, you would think that he would, he would look back in history from him, maybe his, his, his dad and his grandfather, or even King David, and get on his knees and ask God for forgiveness. Says, Lord, I need you to cry out to him. What did Peter do whenever he was sinking in the water? Lord, save me. And that's what he has had to do. This is, this is his chance. To make things better for himself and Judah. How many of us have missed, missed that chance sometimes in our lives where we're sinking and we're being closed in by all kinds of things. Whether it's a loss of job or a death of a loved one or whatever. And we start getting into sin and idolatry and we're at the, at, at, at the end of our rope. But we forget to cry out to God. We forget to seek him. That's what we need to do. And this is what he should have done here. But we see here that he got increasingly unfaithful with the Lord. He continued into idolatry. Verse 23, it says, For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all of Israel. Dummy. Why are you worshiping these man-made idols? Why, why are you going in worshiping sticks and stones that will never help you? That can't speak, can't hear, can't do any of that. When you've got a, a living God that is there wanting you to reach your hands out to him. But he rathers the pleasures of the world. He rathers, rathers rather to worship these idols because that's what he wants. And pride is setting in and he won't reach out. Verse 24 it says, and Ahaz gathered all the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every single city of Judah he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. You know, there's many people that are leaders in our nation right now would love to shut the doors of the church up right now. And close the church down for business in America. Some of these governors have already 
deemed churches to be just like entertainment, like Disneyland. So we're not going to open them up to the last phase. No clue of what the church is about. No clue. So we see Ahaz shutting the church, uh, the temple, or you can say the church down, closing worship for the true and living God and opening it up to the rest of the world. In verse 26, it says, Now the rest of Acts, the Acts, now the rest of his Acts and all his ways from first to last, indeed they are written in the book of the king of Judah and Israel. So Ahaz rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city in Jerusalem, but they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. So we see a story of a tragic king who took his nation down through idolatry. He was not even buried with the kings, it says. But next week, we're going to see a little, little more light. Next week, we're going to talk about King Hezekiah. We're going to see in the next four chapters the revival that broke out with King Hezekiah. And I'm hoping us studying that will ignite revival in our heart. Remember, that starts with repentance. That starts at looking at our hearts, looking at our own lives and and. Saying, Lord, clean me out. Where, where, where do I need to change? Where, 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 what, what closets need to be cleaned out? And your fire put in there. And that's what we need to ask ourselves. So remember, revival starts with repentance. Amen? Father, we uh, thank you for this message tonight. Let us use this message as a warning to us, Father God, of what not to do, that we should not fall into any kind of idolatry, but only have you on the thrones of our hearts, Father. I pray, Father God, that a revival would start in our hearts and that we would seek uh, you and that you would show us and turn the lights on, Lord, in our houses to where we can clean them out to be totally on fire and ready to serve you. I ask for your blessing over those here today. I ask for your blessing for those who are not able to make it, and, Lord, I ask for your, your, your blessing over our country, Father God, that our country would repent of its sins and turn its face towards you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.